What is happening, everyone? It is one of my favorite days of the entire year. It is the first round of the NFL Draft tonight. Three days of awesomeness for us football geeks as we are missing football, but the draft gives us a little bit of a fix. I cannot wait for tonight, and I think in terms of drafts that I, I can remember, at least in recent memory, since we've had this ability to have social media and so much information come out, there's not been a year where going into the draft, we literally have no idea who the, the number one pick is, literally have no idea even what position group the number one team might go. And I think that's pretty much the case throughout the entire first round. I think that there are multiple teams, even within the top 10, that I can say maybe takes an edge, maybe takes a corner, maybe takes an offensive tackle, but I can't even identify who each team values as maybe the best corner or the best offensive lineman or the best edge. I think the drama tonight is going to be incredible, and we are going to do our best with this first-round mock draft to, uh, to, to call our shot and try and predict what's going to go down tonight. I am Colby Daniels, as you probably know, along with Aaron Davis. Aaron, what's happening, man? Not much. Uh, just stoked for this draft, man. Uh, I said it on your on your show yesterday that it kind of snuck up on me. You know, I just kind of been getting swamped into like baseball and NBA playoffs <laughs> and March Madness, and then like two weeks ago, I'm like, oh shit, the drafts in like ten days or two weeks or something, yeah. like. And I, I think that's probably a product of like this draft just not having those those guys that you just want to talk about all the time, like Trevor Lawrence and and Justin Fields or like um, uh, a Joe Burrow or just and those are three quarterbacks, which probably is at the end of the day the reason we don't talk about this draft that much, or at least there's not as much excitement around this draft is because there's not that top tier quarterback at the top that you know everybody's excited about, but like. You know, if you're Detroit, like you're like, I got it. I we might we got to get this quarterback because it could be a franchise changing pick. There's just not that pick on paper right now, like we've had the past few years. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, we can go back to what year was Baker drafted? 2018. 2018, yeah. Like from 2018 on up until this year, it's been like top tier quarterback talent in the draft. Obviously, some guys don't pan out like a Sam Darnold, but like. Going into the draft, there was a lot of buzz around the quarterbacks, yeah. and we just don't have that right now. Not saying that these guys in the, this draft can't pan out, but coming out of college, they just don't spark that excitement. So as I've done more research and dug into it, though, I'm excited, though, because I just have no idea. Like you said, there's there's no telling. Picks one through 32 what's going to happen tonight in the first round. Yeah, I think the drama is going to be incredible, and I think this time tomorrow, not only are we going to look back on the first round and – and, you know, I, I think uh, be like, what, what? Nobody saw that one coming. Uh, but I think when you start looking at what the big board is going to to present to us tomorrow, like the beginning of round two, I think is going to have some some stars. Uh, this, the, you know, this may not be the elite level draft that we've seen, but the depth in this draft is is pretty incredible. And to your point about the quarterbacks, I mean, yeah, Sam Darnold didn't turn out to be a good quarterback, but everybody knew he was going to be a first-round pick. Same for Baker Mayfield, who even going into draft day, there was a question whether he was going to be the first pick or not, but everybody knew he was going to go in the first round. Like, I, I think with this group, there are five guys that it wouldn't surprise me if any one of them heard their name called tonight. I also wouldn't be surprised if none of them, I, I mean, not not that 
none of them are going to get picked because there will be a quarterback taken, I think, tonight. It's just a matter of which one. Like, I couldn't guarantee that Malik Willis will go tonight. I can't guarantee Kenny Pickett will go tonight. I think somebody will pull the trigger on a quarterback, but I don't know which one. I don't know. I, I don't think there's a consensus on everybody believing like one guy is the very best and maybe one goes, maybe four go. I, I have no idea. That's, I think, what makes this draft so fun. And then, like I said at the beginning of this, like the teams in the top five, I think any one of those teams could take an edge or a tackle. But there's not even a consensus on whether Evan Neal or Aquanu's the number one tackle across the board. There's not a consensus on whether Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker is the consensus best edge available. I think everybody values uh, the the elite prospects in this draft differently, which which I think makes the intrigue and the drama of what name is going to be called by the commissioner tonight at, at an all-time high. So I absolutely can't wait. Let's get this thing underway. Aaron, you're, we're going to do the, the first round, so all the picks that are going to take place tonight. This is your best guess as to what you think these teams will do tonight. You get the odds. I will take the evens. Uh, so that also gives you the opportunity to uh, draft for the Texans at both 3 and 13. Uh, that also gives me the opportunity to draft for the Dallas Cowboys at 24. But uh, you also have the, um, I, I guess, uh, unfortunate position of going number one overall in this mock draft and beginning this thing without a surefire guaranteed home run pick at the number one spot. So you're on the clock, the Jacksonville Jaguars with the first pick of the NFL draft select who? Uh, Colby, you're, this is tough, man. I honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Jacksonville ends up trading out of this pick right here. Um, but I'm going to hope that they've, Righted their wrongs from last year. They realized that Urban Meyer was a clown, got him out, realized they need to just play it a little bit safer moving forward for the next few years as they continue this rebuild. They've got to protect their star quarterback. I, I, I say that with a grain of salt. Their franchise quarterback, I don't know if he's a star yet, but they need to protect him. I know they just signed Cam Robinson to an extension, but they could always use another tackle. I, I think they're going to go with a Cam Aquanu out of uh, NC State. I like uh, I like Evan Neal a little bit better, honestly, but yeah. from everything I've read, it seems like Iquanu is probably higher on most teams' boards, and I think they go Iquanu number one, although he's not my number one in this draft. He's not my number one either. I agree. I feel like it's it's kind of split in terms of, of how teams value those two guys. I, I did my final mock this morning, and I actually went Evan Neal number one. Part of that is because I think there's so much mystery around what this pick is going to be. It, it Maybe it plays into the fact that nobody's really calling for Evan Neal to be the first pick. But I, my, my only holdback, like you said, was the Cam Robinson extension. But at the end of the day, if there's not a guarantee at the top of this, this draft, you took the quarterback a year ago, you're not going to go wrong with getting an offensive lineman here. So maybe, maybe a Quanu or Evan Neal, for that matter, never turns into what Trent Williams has become in the NFL or somebody like that. But I, I think their floor is a lot higher than almost anybody else. Like they're going to be serviceable along that offensive line and it's going to just further protect and enable last year's number one overall pick to be a better player and hopefully develop into the guy that you hoped he was this time a year ago. So I, I'm with you. I think if, uh, 
if I'm them, I'm going tackle. And as 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 they get closer to the clock hitting zeros tonight, um, I, I think that the questions about Trayvon Walker, the questions about Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe the ceiling conversation that's being had about Aiden Hutchinson versus just knowing that you get a, an offensive lineman that helps last year's number one overall pick. I think the the offensive line wins. So uh, I, a good, good selection there. Uh, number two, this just seems like a no-brainer. Aiden Hutchinson play. I hate doing this because I always feel like it's such a, a low-hanging fruit when people do mock drafts. Um, like Kenny Pickett is from Pitt, so naturally the Pittsburgh the Steelers, Steelers would want right. him. Um, the Detroit Lions are on the clock at number two, and he played at Michigan. It just seems so natural that they need an edge rush. He played at Michigan, and he's also, I mean, in terms of the floor, probably the safest of these guys. Doesn't have, I think, the upside that maybe some of the other edge rushers do, but um, I think Detroit in this position is going to go Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that's post, you know, the college football season ending. He's kind of been at the top of everybody's boards. Uh, I don't know where he was at preseason, uh, but I know he, for me at least, he kind of, I don't want to say he came out of nowhere, but I didn't expect him to be a top three, top five talent in the draft. But, I mean, with the motor he plays with, uh, the energy, I know a lot of people like to compare him to guys like Max Crosby or like uh, maybe like Joey Bosa. But, I mean, his motor, man, just reminds me a lot of J.J. Watt. And I'm not saying he's there on the talent level, but the energy and the effort that he's going to give you every play that he's on the field reminds me a lot of J.J. Watt. And if Detroit can get 85% of a J.J. Watt, then I think it's a home run pick at number yeah. two right there. Obviously, they need a quarterback, but, I mean, you'd be insane to take a quarterback at two. So I think Aiden Hutchinson is an easy pick for them. Well, and they also have pick 32 at the end of the first round and pick 34, yeah. which is the second pick tomorrow night in the second round. I mean, if you're not absolutely in love with one of the five quarterbacks that could go, you know, in the first round or early part of the second round, you're going to have two opportunities to maybe grab one of those guys a little later on. And and I will guarantee, there's very few things that, that I guarantee, uh, but one of those guys is going to be available by the end of the first round. So, and, and, and what's the big difference between a Matt Corral at 32 or taking Kenny Pickett at two? Like, from a... I actually like Matt Corral better than Kenny Pickett. Right. So, so, yeah. There you go. Or, and, and you could insert any quarterback, yeah. any quarterback B in this draft uh, up until you get to, like, past... Um, is it, uh, names Desmond Ritter uh, or Desmond Sam Desmond Ritter, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think once you get to Sam Howell, there's a drop-off, starting with Sam Howell. But, yeah, I mean, 32, they'll probably be a quarterback. Uh, Houston at three. I think that they make a dumb pick here, in my opinion. I think they do trade up from 13 because I think that they're, at least I would hope, their plan out of the top 10 is to walk away with a cornerback and an edge rusher. Uh, and at 13, I think that you're probably taking a little bit of a risk on the edge rusher uh, because they are taking Derek Stingley Jr. at three, which, again, not my top cornerback. I like Sauce Gardner a little bit better. But Derek Stingley... I mean, you saw his freshman year, like his ceiling should be through the roof. Like he should have a l unlimited potential at the cornerback position. You just have to worry about him being on the field. Um, you know, played around 1,100 snaps his freshman year in 2019 yeah. and then barely got half of that combined the last two seasons. So I think there's some concern there. I personally also have a little bit of concern about 
how much more room he has to grow talent wise because he came he just he came he came into LSU NFL ready. I mean, I remember uh, we, I tell the story all the time that of the the NFL scout that was at that first OU game in 2019 talking to you guys about Derek Singley being a first round pick if he would have left out of high school. Yeah. So I think there's some worry there for me about what how much more room he has to grow. Uh, but if he can, like you would assume that, like I said, his ceiling is unlimited. It's just kind of on him to get better at this point. But all of the all of the rumors and all the the grapevines and all that stuff like seems to be pointing towards the Texans liking Stingley at three. And I think it would be a mistake, but I think that's where they're going um, with Stingley at three. I, I I don't know. They just need so many things too yeah uh especially on both sides of the f- football and the, on the line that i think taking a cornerback would be silly but again i'm just following the tea leaves i i'm not buying the the smoke because this is all this is a, a time when there's so many smoke screens going on and you made the perfect point i think at the beginning of this houston needs to get as many picks as possible uh, they need so much and if they could trade out of this number three pick and stay maybe in the top 10 and grab another pick along the way, that's probably the best route. There's been a lot of conversation, I think, in this entire process about the Jets going corner at number four. And, you know, maybe this is to to maybe, uh, you know, give the Jets an option to move up or somebody else that loves the cornerbacks. If they're they're thinking about Stingley at three and Sauce is the, the target at four, then maybe somebody else wants to move up and get one of those corners. I think they're trying to maybe create their own trade market. Uh, so I'm I'm not buying the cornerback situation as much there as as maybe it's being made out to be in the media. But I will say this: I, I, Stingley has the ability, I think, to be an All-Pro corner. I, he's number two behind Sauce for me, only because we basically have two years of him not playing football. Right. And we, we have one elite year of him playing and then two years where he hasn't been on the field much. And to me, it's not about how good he is or how good he can be as much as there's just a like sauce is so much safer than Stingley. Right. Like, I think the risk here is greater with Stingley than with any of the edge rushers or sauce Gardner. So I, I think Stingley goes a little bit later. But uh, yeah, there's I mean, if you look anywhere um, and even in Las Vegas, currently, Derek Stingley is the betting favorite to be the number three pick by the Houston Texans. All right. And, we, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to throw this out there with that conversation between Stingley and Sauce. I mean, just, I know he played in the AAC, but like the, the fact that Sauce didn't allow more than 13 receiving yards in a game last year, like that's a stat that I look at. Yeah, like, like man, nobody just, even threw like, his way. Yeah, 6'3", too, tall, athletic. Like it yeah. just, again, I agree with you. I think for it, for me, it's an easy pick on between those two. But again, I, I'm following the tea leaves for this mock draft. Very nice. Very nice. All right. So the Jets are on the clock at number four. Um, you just we did the Lions a minute ago and then the Texans and the Jets. All three of those teams have multiple first round picks. There are actually eight teams in this in this first round tonight, Aaron, with two picks, which is just incredible. Um, the first of the Jets picks four and ten. The New York Jets are going to stay at the cornerback position and take, um, similar to what they used to have with Revis Island, they're going to go with Sauce Gardner, and maybe we get Sauce Island in New York. Love it. Love that pick. Uh, Again, a team that isn't lacking for needs right now. Um, 
And, and, you know, I think that getting that cornerback on the outside, especially when you consider that Miami brought in Tyreek Hill um, to go pair up with Jalen Waddle, who in his rookie year set the single season catch record for a rookie. And then Mac Jones is looking like he's going to be a franchise guy in New England. And then Josh Allen, obviously, and Stephon Diggs. Like, you need that guy on the outside that you can match up with their number one receivers. I think it's very important for New York to get out of this first round with a quarterback, which they just got with Sauce Gardner at four, and an edge rusher at 10. Yeah. Because the AFC East, for the first time maybe ever, is becoming a very heavy offensive heavy division where you get, you need those playmakers on the outside and off the edge to combat these quarterbacks and these receivers. But absolutely. I agree. The giants at five, the next New York team. I'm actually, well, I, I should say I'm, I, I should say I'm stoked, but like I am stoked that I'm getting my guy. That's number one on my big board at five here. Um, again, a guy that I think is in play for Jacksonville at number one. Uh, but I think it would be an absolutely home run pick for the Giants here who are in no rush to win right now, obviously, with a number five pick and no quarterback. But they're not going to reach on a quarterback here, but they're going to get Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. Uh, I think he's a guy that is super versatile, can do uh, so many things on the field. Um, you look at all the positions he played last year for Georgia. I don't have the breakdown for me, but I mean, he's a lot like Micah Parsons when you look at him playing off the edge, playing, you know, uh, and a three technique playing cover drop coverage. Like there's just so many things that he can do. And a lot of people find him to be a little raw, which maybe he is, but again, you're the giants. What's the rush. You get a yeah. guy like Trayvon Walker that could be an all pro or even just like a super dependable guy that you can switch and plug and just play all over the field. I think it's an absolute easy pick here for the giants at five to pick Trayvon Walker. And I think it was, it's a home run for him. The first Georgia Bulldog off the board. How crazy is it, Aaron, that there are six Georgia defensive players from that national championship team that could go tonight in the first round? I don't think all six will go, but I think there are six that are in play between Trayvon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Quay Walker, N'Kobe Dean, and Lewis Seen. All six of those guys have the chance to go tonight. Again, it's not going to work out where I think all six of them do go, but I mean, there's a good chance for each one of those guys to find a landing spot tonight, which is is pretty incredible when you think about what that Georgia defense was last season. All right, the number six pick, Carolina Panthers. This is an interesting one because they need a quarterback. Matt Rule hasn't had a franchise quarterback since he's been there. He's also on the hot seat, which is, I think, the biggest conversation in terms of what direction they ultimately go here. I think at the end of the day, regardless of who the coach is, you have to do what's best for the organization. And I think they're going to pull the trigger on a quarterback. I don't think they play it safe with a guy that might be, quote unquote, more ready to play today, like a Kenny Pickett, for example. I think you take the guy that that projects to have the best future, even if that takes him a year to be ready. And Malik Willis is the pick for the Carolina Panthers at six. Yeah, I mean, they definitely need a quarterback. Matt Rule obviously is going to try and take that home run pick to save his job. Like a quarterback is a pick that's going to save your job, right? And it really doesn't seem like they have any interest in bringing in Baker Mayfield, and I don't know why they would. At the end of the day, where the Panthers are at, what's the point of having Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield? 
Yeah. So I, I think Malik Willis is, is definitely the pick. If he sits out eight games and Sam Darnold goes one and seven or two and six, the floor, I mean, the, the expectations aren't super high for Malik Willis to come in there. Maybe they finish, you know, seven and 10 and Matt Rule earns another year or something yeah. like that. Like, it's just, it, it is a stretch, obviously. Like we've talked about the quarterbacks and where they're ranked on the big board, but for what they need and where Matt Rule's at, like you said, I mean, can't really argue with it. And yeah. like he is the, he is the upside potential quarterback in this draft. Uh, I got the giants again at seven. I see what you do, were doing. You just didn't want to do any of the NFC East picks. Cause uh, I'm pretty sure I have all of them. I, I think you do. Yeah. I, I'm so, pretty sure you do. No, I, uh, I, I will have to make one pick for Philly, but yeah. Okay. You can have the Dallas pick. We'll swap. We'll trade. I'll trade you later. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Trayvon Walker at five for the Giants. Uh, I, again, a lot of needs, but I think that you got to go on the opposite side of the football, but you still got to stick on the line. With Evan Neal still being on the board, uh, I think, again, I think the Giants are going to have an easy night tonight if Trayvon Walker's there at five and Evan Neal's there at seven. Um, I don't know that Daniel Jones is – actually, I do know. He's not the long-term answer quarterback for the Giants, <laughs> but – Getting that offensive line built and then maybe next year taking a quarterback in the first round yeah. uh, that you could build around. If you've already got the line in place or at least got half the line or a core of the line in place, I think that you're off to a good start. So I'm going to go Evan Neal out of Alabama, uh, who is – I mean, you mentioned Trent Williams earlier. I don't know talent-wise if he reminds me of Trent Williams, but size-wise, he absolutely yeah. reminds me of Trent Williams. Yeah, and I mean, as athletic as any offensive lineman we've ever seen. I mean, what a home run it would be for the Giants. I hate to say that, uh, but if they were to land Trayvon Walker and Evan Neal with five and seven, I mean, that is yeah. a home run draft for them because I think those two guys are, are 100% in play for the number one overall pick tonight. All right, number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. This is, I think, one of the more interesting picks in the first round as well, Aaron, because I think there are a ton of different ways that this one could go, and part of it probably just depends on, you know, what's available by the time they pick. I don't know that there's any, like, one direction that they might be leaning, uh, but as the board falls this way, I think this is uh, probably about the floor for where Kayvon Thibodeau could go, because I know there's been a lot of conversation about him maybe falling, a lot of conversation about does he love football and blah, blah, blah. Look, the guy has the chance to be an elite edge rush in this league. I, I think, you know, sometimes we blow some of these things out of proportion throughout this process where guys aren't on the football field playing and I think the Atlanta Falcons would love to have the opportunity to take a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau at eight. So I think it's too good to pass up for Atlanta, who has needs all over the field. And they take Kayvon Thibodeau, number eight, which takes us to the Seattle Seahawks. Well, you actually just made my my pick a little bit tougher because I was going to go Kayvon Thibodeau at nine. Uh, but he's obviously off the board. And I, I don't know that Jermaine Johnson is necessarily the guy that I would pick here at nine. I do like Jermaine Johnson, but I think it's, uh, I think if you're looking at it, it's kind of lining up. They need a quarterback unless Baker Mayfield still in play for Seattle, which I haven't heard anything lately. I, I think we're going to have a second quarterback taken already off the top 10. I think Kenny Pickett's going to go here to Seattle. I don't think I, I know Drew Locke's not the answer. I've seen enough of him in Denver to know that he's, He's not going to be a quarterback that's going to get you where you want to go. 
I, I really like the Seattle offense. I, I like DK Metcalf. I think Noah Fant's underrated, and I think if he has more of a focal point in offense, he can really thrive. Uh, Tyler Lockett still got some juice, and then you know the running game. Uh, Chris Carson can't stay healthy, but they find the right mix. I think it works. I think it's a good situation for a quarterback in this draft to go to where you don't ask a lot of them uh, to produce, and I think Kenny Pickett could – Go in there and be the day one starter potentially for the Seattle team. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think he would go in there and it would be a disaster. I'm shocked. I didn't see that one coming, Um, especially with Charles Cross on the board, uh, just simply because I think you could still swing around and get a quarter. They have two early second round picks. Um, So I think you could probably still get one of the quarterbacks at that point and get an elite tackle but uh i mean that's certainly in in the cards i mean they are in the quarterback market for sure and uh that's i mean that's one of the spots that uh if a quarterback is going to be taken or quarterbacks i should say going to be taken in the first round seattle is uh one of the teams at play yeah actually you know what i like obviously the pick sticking but you're right it probably should have been charles cross i forgot that uh that dwayne brown is no longer there i mean they're gonna stone foresight and Jake Kurhan, Kurhan as their their starting tackles, but hey, I mean Charles Cross is on the board still. All right, uh, New York Jets on the clock at number ten. Uh, this is a really interesting spot because I I didn't think Charles Cross would be available. Um, they could also use Edge as they took Sauce Gardner at number four, so th- they've taken care of that. Uh, Kyle Hamilton at safety is in play here. I think they desperately need some pass catchers, especially because a year ago they drafted a quarterback number two overall, and he needs some weapons around him. Um, I don't agree with this guy being the top receiver overall, but I think they are going to go receiver at number 10. And I I, I like a couple guys better than him, but the sense I'm getting is that across the league, people just value what the upside of this guy is and how, how freakish athletic he is. I just think there are, there are more skilled receivers in this draft. But at number 10, the New York Jets select from Ohio State, Garrett Wilson. I 100% agree. I've kind of been confused on him being at the top of the board. Um, I think maybe if Jamison Williams had not torn his ACL, he would be the number one receiver yeah. on pretty much all of the boards unanimously. But again, working with that injury. I like Olave yeah. better than Garrett Wilson as well, there his Ohio go. State yeah. teammate. And how ridiculous is it? that two years ago, Jamison Williams was also in that receiver room Ohio at Ohio State. State. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think that Ohio State, I mean, who, what offensive weapons did they produce ever up until, what, like three or four years ago? Yeah. And then it was loaded. But uh, the uh, Washington newly named Commanders uh, on the clock at 11, another NFC East team, as uh, I think we've determined that I'm the NFC East guru here, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're going to go back-to-back wide receivers. This is a great wide receiver class. Um, and I think that we're going to have two in a row here, maybe three in a row. We, who knows? We might have a run of receivers here uh, as we get into the teens. But uh, I'm not going to pick Olave. I'm not going to pick Jamison Williams. I'm going to go with a guy that I think complements uh, Terry McLaurin a little bit better. They brought in Carson Wentz. They need to give him weapons because they need it to work. I'm going to go Drake London, the big guy out of USC. Uh, a, a sure-handed guy that's a red zone threat, big athletic guy, a lot like uh, Mike Evans has been uh, the pretty unanimous cop for him, yep. uh, just physicality-wise and, and what you can expect from him. So 
I think Drake London here to the Commanders gives them a, a, a red zone threat um, that they just don't have right now. As good as Terry McLaurin is, he's just he's not that guy that you can rely on inside the you know 15, 20 yard line. That's that's what I gave them as well in my mock draft that I, I did this morning, and I think you made the perfect statement. He pairs perfectly with what you already have at the receiver position. Um, you know, you could get Olave, who I like better, but you're kind of getting a guy that already does what Terry McLaurin does. So um, a, a complimentary piece, Drake London, I think probably fits better with what they currently have. Uh, so great pick there. All right, the Minnesota Vikings on the clock at number 12. Um, like, I, I think that there are a number of ways they could go here. Um, as I, I look at the board, um, I'm tempted to to say a couple names, but I think maybe they just go best player available with all the options that they have right here. And I think the best player available for them would be Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's kind of fallen, though, right? I mean, if you look at a lot of the mock drafts from about a month ago or two yeah. months ago. I mean, he was pretty easily in the top five. I, I know that Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper both loved him and had him as one of the top prospects on their big boards. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, uh, his name's slipping my mind. Uh, uh, Harrison. Uh, the Harrison team. Smith. Harrison Smith, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's getting older, so maybe Minnesota's looking to uh, partner him up with Kyle Hamilton, or perhaps Kyle Hamilton ends up replacing him in a year or two. But and I Minnesota's think part of it's also just the safety position in general. It's not a premium position in the NFL draft. No. I mean, tackle, edge, corner are premium positions. There hasn't been a safety taken in the first round in the last two two drafts. So, you know, part of this isn't necessarily as much about Kyle Hamilton as it is like it's hard to pass up premium players at the premium positions over a premium player at a non-premium position. Yeah. But I mean, it's also, it's hard to make that argument that, I mean, you, the, the Dallas Cowboys are a perfect example, in my opinion. Like a lot of times just don't overthink it. Like if that guy's number one on your big board, regardless of position or need, yeah. like sometimes just taking that guy in the first round that you think is just going to be great. Even yeah. if you don't necessarily need to fill that position is a lot of times, just the right move. Yeah. Um, all right, the Texans back on the clock. I'm actually kind of torn here. Um, really, I think they, this is an easy one. I they need an. I don't think there's an offensive lineman on the board right now that I, I would take here. Charles Cross. Char He's gone. No, Charles Cross is available. Oh, I thought you. Oh, okay. You had mentioned him at ten. And yeah, it's Charles Cross. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought I, I, for some, in my head, I was like, oh, he just took Charles Cross at 10. But uh, no, that was Garrett didn't. Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Charles Cross, uh, offensive tackle at Mississippi State. I think he's probably day one starter for Houston on the yes. right side. Uh, pair him up with Laramie Tunsil. I don't know if Charles Cross is necessarily a long term replacement. If Laramie Tunsil leaves in a couple of years, but he's absolutely good enough to be the day one starter over uh, over Titus Howard, who I'm still a little salty that they picked <laughs> Titus Howard in the first round a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, that that's uh, man. If that what a home run draft for them as well. 
with Stingley at three and Charles Cross at 13. And look, if you told me that it was Charles Cross at three and Stingley at 13, I don't know that that would shock me either. Um, That's how crazy this draft is. If it actually goes Cross tonight at three, Stingley at 13, I I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever. So, I mean, it's it's also important, too, because they really need to evaluate Davis Mills like thoroughly this year, uh, because when he came back from being benched last year, he was phenomenal. And if he's the guy and he plays like that all the time, then awesome. They've got a franchise quarterback after trading Deshaun Watson. But if he doesn't hit, then they're going to be in a top five next year and you can pick a quarterback next year. But it's important to at least give him the best opportunity to, you know, really evaluate him and not be in just an absolute hellhole of a place. Yeah. All right, at 14, the Baltimore Ravens are on the clock. And I'm I'm somewhat conflicted here because... Uh, Jermaine Johnson is on the board and I think the best player overall. Um, they did take Odafe Owe last year with their first round pick who was, had an incredible rookie season out of Penn State. Uh, and I, I think that there are other opportunities for them to take difference makers. And I think they're one of the few teams, um, I, you know, over the last like two decades that has really shown how much they value interior defensive line play maybe as much as the edge and I, I think looking at you know they had Haloti Nada there forever um, Calais Campbell is still there I think Jordan Davis who I think is a three down interior defensive lineman uh, being on the board for the Ravens just seems like the perfect fit he's so athletic for his size he's such a difference maker and the bottom line is if he's in the middle of your defensive line, that's going to make every single player defensively better because of the attention he's going to demand. So uh, I was tempted to go Jermaine Johnson there, but I'm going to go Jordan Davis to the Baltimore Ravens at 14. I think this is, I mean, this is one of those picks that reminds you why Baltimore is always good because I I think it's a great pick. I think Jordan Davis is going to be one of those dudes at the end of the next season that we talk about as being like, impact rookies like oh, where, yeah. like this guy was incredible this year him. perfect scheme just fit in just like great with that baltimore mentality and scheme and culture and i think that once again baltimore just has a, a home run pick with jordan davis at 14 i thought he was <laughs> leaving last year aaron so much so that i actually tweeted at the dallas cowboys hey if you haven't watched jordan davis from georgia already go look at him and please draft him that was that was January of 2021, and here we. I mean, Jordan Davis, I the guy, the the, the sky's the limit for what he could accomplish in the NFL at his size with that athleticism. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the uh, yeah, just a a true just monster interior defensive lineman. Yeah. Um. All right, Philadelphia up on the board. Mm, this is. I'm a little, I, I'm a, I'm a, there's a couple of guys I want here um, that I think actually fit exactly what they need in, in a lot of scenarios. But I think that you have to value edge rushers over a cornerback or a wide receiver. So I'm going to go Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Um, I think at 15, I think that's great value for him. Uh, ACC yeah. Defensive Player of the Year last year. And the Phillies, or the Phillies, the Eagles pick again at 18. So uh, I think you've got to take Jermaine Johnson here, and then you're definitely going to get a cornerback or a receiver at 18 with the way the board's shaping out. Yeah. 
he was available the way that that this one fell. Um, I would be shocked tonight if he's still on the on the board at fifteen. So, um, what a what a val- I hate saying this. What a value for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jermaine Johnson at fifteen. All right, the New Orleans Saints, the first of their two picks at sixteen and nineteen. So they need a quarterback. And they traded into the first round to get this pick, which like, why are you acquiring another first round pick, especially as far out as they did without even knowing like what's going to be available to me? That just says they need a quarterback in this draft. I don't think they want to risk going another direction and trying to grab one at 19. They're on the clock right now at 16 and the New Orleans Saints select Matt Corral. I mean, doesn't make sense though, right? If why would you trade a 16 if you're worried about getting a quarterback? It's not like the Eagles or the Chargers. I mean, who okay, who was at 16 originally? I guess that should be my question. Well, Philly, I, I, I guess had Philly had a pick. Philly, I think, had three picks originally. And yeah. And New Orleans got one of those picks and then I think flip-flopped the other two picks. So I, I don't remember the original order because I think they acquired one and then they flipped their other pick with where Philly's pick was. Yeah. So in some weird order, yeah. But like it, it, I, I just don't know why you would get this pick if you weren't saying, we just want to be in position to take one of the quarterbacks that we feel like is going to be there. And I probably honestly threw it off taking Kenny Pickett at nine. So I probably screwed up the, uh, the Saints game plan there at 16. But uh, a team that doesn't need a quarterback, the... Los Angeles Chargers. I finally said it right. You said it. I was worried I was going to say San Diego, but yeah. uh, finally, after like a half a decade, I have I remembered that they play in Los Angeles now. Uh, they they probably need they definitely need a corner some cornerback help. Although they did bring in um, J C Jackson, J C Jackson in in the free agency, and that's I mean that was a great pickup. They drafted Asante Samuel Jr. last year. Derwin James was healthy for the full year last year. He's a pretty versatile safety. I I think they I think that with Tyreek Hill being gone from the division, I think that there's a little less concern on stacking up in your secondary. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go receiver here. I think they add a guy, another pass catcher here for. Justin Herbert. I'm going to go Jamison Williams, a guy that we just talked about a few seconds ago. That had he not torn his ACL, uh, very good chance he's the top receiver in this draft. And, I mean, he was just an absolute difference maker at Alabama last year. Uh, a guy that just, I mean, absolute burner. I mean, this dude is yeah. as fast as any guy that you could imagine. Uh, he will immediately, assuming that his recovery from his ACL injury goes well, immediately will come in and be one of the fastest guys in the league. Yeah, great pick for them. Uh, and Keenan Allen's getting older, uh, so yeah. you know that's uh, I could certainly see that being the case. I think tackles in play there as well. I know uh, Rashawn Slater was a home run pick a year ago and had a sensational rookie season, but I, I don't think it's I don't think they're done trying to protect Justin Herbert. So I, I think that uh, whether it's the first round or at least day two, uh, they do need to use some of their capital to to continue to uh, to keep Justin Herbert upright. Yeah, All right. a guy like. Uh... Like uh, Trevor Penning still available. Yeah, uh, we talked about him. Yeah, Tyler Smith. I mean, I think this is probably a little high for Tyler Smith, but yeah, I mean, there's still some pretty good tackles left on the board. Yeah. 
The Philadelphia Eagles on the clock at 18. They took Jermaine Johnson at 15. Uh, this, to me, is... It could go a couple different directions here. Devin Lloyd is somebody I thought about, but I think they do need help in the secondary. Darius Slay, who I think they signed to a big deal a couple years ago, is, is getting up there as well. Uh, Trent McDuffie, I feel like, unanimously, is like one of those guys that... Everybody just loves all aspects of his game. Uh, there's not really a weakness there and is just going to to play in the league for a long time and just be a solid player. And just, I, I think his style of play, to me, just matches Philadelphia very well. So Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington to the Philadelphia Eagles at 18. Right, Quick recap, we have Iki Aquanu number one overall. To the Jags, the Lions take Aiden Hutchinson, Derek Stingley to the Texans, Sauce Gardner to the Jets, Trayvon Walker to the Giants, that's the top five. Six through ten, Malik Willis to the Panthers, Evan Neal to the Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau to the Falcons, Kenny Pickett to the Seahawks, Garrett Wilson to the Jets. Eleven through fifteen, Drake London to the Commanders, Kyle Hamilton to the Vikings, Charles Cross to the Texans, Jordan Davis, Ravens, Jermaine Johnson to the Eagles. And then the last three picks, Matt Corral to the Saints, Jamison Williams to the Chargers, and Trent McDuffie to the Eagles, which takes us to pick number 19 and the New Orleans Saints for the second time. All right. Uh, well, they just took Matt Corral at 16. Teron Armstead's in Miami now. He's gone. So they do need some help on the offensive line. I know this guy probably needs some work before he's like truly ready to be uh, like – Every day, starting left tackle in the NFL, maybe he flits in better at the right side starting off. But uh, I'm going to go Trevor Pinning, guy I just mentioned. Uh, top 20 guy on most boards. And if he pans out, then, uh, you know, New Orleans just nailed. Yeah. They got their quarterback for the future, and they got an offensive tackle to protect him. Uh, Ryan Ramchak's still there. He's still great, but they have a hole on the other side of the line right now. Yeah. Uh, and they just took a, a rookie quarterback. Um, I think they would love to get Penning at one of those two spots. And I, like, I have a hard time if Penning's not gone before, which I don't think he will be. But the Saints and the Chargers, to me, I, I have a hard time seeing the Saints pass Penning twice or the Chargers passing on Penning. So, um, yeah, I think that's the range for him. And uh, that would be a terrific get for them after losing Teron Armstead. The Steelers on the clock at 20. Uh, this is where, I mean, I think it's a quarterback, um, and I, I think there are a couple ways they could go depending on the way the board falls. Um, we've had three go in this mock, uh, so being on the clock at 20, I think they could use some tackle help, but I, I don't know that there's a guy that uh, they would take at this point over getting a quarterback. So even though I don't know that he's a, a first-round pick, if you if you need a quarterback – I mean, it makes more sense, you know, even to just get him in the hopes that you hit and get that fifth-year option, perhaps. So I will give them, uh, I think in this situation, they take Desmond Ritter, quarterback Cincinnati at 20. It's four quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on your mock draft you did earlier, is this how it played out that you had four quarterbacks going? I'm sure I screwed things up at nine right there. I, I had three Seattle. going total. Um, but yeah, I, I, cause I had, I had in my mock draft, I had Seattle taking Charles cross at nine and, uh, Kenny Pickett was available for Pittsburgh at 20. All right. Well, I'm sorry to Pittsburgh fans. You didn't get your hometown guy. I mean, Cincinnati's not that far so, from yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, you know, close enough, but, uh, all right. New England up at 21. 
I, I think that they really need some, and I'm not probably not the only one that thinks this. It's pretty easy to see that they need some wide receiver help for Mac Jones. And I, I mean, Chris Olave is still on the board. Um, there's still good receivers available, but uh, Traylon Burks, another guy that's still available out of Arkansas. I think that the Patriots like to draft best available. Like they're much like Dallas in the way they draft in the first round. They're going to look at the board and see this guy that's still available and see, you know, how versatile he is and how crazy he can he can like the things that Bill Belichick can do with him in their defense. And it just adds to a secondary that was very good last year. But they've got some aging safeties. I'm going to go Dax Hill here, the uh, Tulsa kid at 21. Nice. I bet that he seems like a Belichick guy for sure. I, as you were describing that, I thought you were talking about Devin Lloyd uh, which also to me just seems like a Belichick guy, a guy that's so versatile and and uh, could be a, a weapon for him defensively. But uh, out of Tulsa uh, and uh, University of Michigan, Dax Hill, I like. I think that you could make the argument that he's the best safety in this draft, not because he does like plays like the safety position, quote unquote, if you will, better than Kyle Hamilton. But I love versatility in today's NFL. And if you can get a guy that can play the high safety, but can also go defend the slot. And I, I mean, there's even projections that he could play the outside corner position. Like that is so valuable in today's NFL to have a guy that can slot in multiple areas and give you high level play. Like Micah Parsons did a year ago. Uh, Dax Hill is that guy in the secondary that can essentially play every secondary spot that you might need from him. So, And Miami just brought in Tyree Kill. So if yeah. you have a, a guy that can play... Uh, high safety. Yeah, this is not athletic as Dax. I mean, he yeah. could be absolutely vital to New England in that division. That's right. All right, the Green Bay Packers are on the clock for the first of their two picks, and I, I would imagine Green Bay Packer fans would be doing backflips if the board falls this way and Chris Olave is available to them at twenty-two. Um, I don't know that he's still there at 22, but I think like just in general, looking at the Green Bay Packers and the way their offense is played, like if all the receivers were available and you said which one fits best, to me it's Chris Olave. I think he's the best fit for what Green Bay does and for Aaron Rodgers of any of the receivers in this draft. So if Olave's there on the clock tonight at 22, that to me would be a massive home run and he might be a top 10 receiver next year in that offense. Um if if Olave is there and they don't go receiver, there might be a a revolt in Green Bay uh, to pass up Chris Olave at twenty two. So to uh, to prevent the mutiny from happening, Chris Olave is the pick to the Green Bay Packers at twenty two. I mean, great pick. Obviously, everybody knows that they Devonte Adams is gone, but you know if new england ends up not taking him the pick before which again new england could use wide receiver help if he's there yeah absolutely that's yeah. a that's a home run pick for them uh arizona on the board now arizona is a team that uh is is interesting to me because i i think they could benefit from giving kyler a little bit more help on the offense um they brought in will hernandez on the offensive line their offensive line wasn't bad last year but christian kirk's gone do you really want to rely on A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz as your weapons for Kyler Murray, uh, who is coming into uh, a pretty big year, at least from, you know, if you're the standpoint of the front office trying to convince him to 
that's where he wants to be long term or vice versa if you want to keep him long term. But I think with that being said, I think you probably wait on a wide receiver at this point. And I think that you go with somebody on the defensive side. I think you probably go with a defensive lineman. And I'm I'm looking at somebody like a Devontae Wyatt uh, out of Georgia. I mean, their defense just down the stretch just kind of folded underneath them. And they, they just they need more help. And they need cornerback help too. But yeah. I think as far as guys available, I, I'd feel more comfortable taking a Devontae Wyatt or like a Nicobe Dean or Devin Lloyd uh, over any of the cornerbacks right now. But I think – Let's start inside, move out, and start with uh, Devontae Wyatt. They they kind of took Devin Lloyd a year ago with Zayvon Collins. Um, I, I look at that division that they're in. You have to play the Seattle receivers twice. You have to play the Rams receivers twice. Their cornerbacks are, I mean, eh, right? Like Not Byron good. Murphy's yeah. their best corner. Who I, I like Byron Murphy, but I think they severely need cornerback help. And with like Kyer Elam and Andrew Booth Andrew available, Booth, yeah. Um, that, that, to me, seems like the, the direction they might go. And, I mean, to your point about picking up the fifth-year option for Kyler Murray, um, that offensive line is okay, but it's it's far from being a strength. And especially down the stretch of the season, like, it's, it's great that he has the ability to evade, but do you really want him evading constantly? So, you know, he doesn't take a lot of hits, but a lot of that is also his, his ability to, and, you know, I, I think to to help him, it might be beneficial to to uh, maybe look at, at some of those interior offensive linemen yeah. at that spot as well. All right. The Dallas Cowboys are on the clock at 24 overall. Uh, man, I, I, this is such an interesting one because I think they could go receiver here. I think that this could be Traylon Burks or I think this could be Jahan Dotson or it wouldn't even shock me if this was George Pickens. Um, I think they also need offensive line help. And it wouldn't shock me if this was Tyler Smith, who could step in and play guard immediately. And, and a lot of people project that he is a tackle at the NFL level, but plays guard in year one uh, to to polish the tackle skills, you know, playing on the edge and and an island, if you will. Um, I also think that this could be Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green, the two uh, guards from Boston College and, and Texas A&M. Uh, they've done such a good job at just going best overall on their board. And even though center isn't the most pressing need, I think there is a need there. And Tyler Linderbaum uh, being available to me just screams a Dallas Cowboy pick. Um, I think this is, for them, great value to get a guy that they probably view as as much better than the number 24 overall player in the draft. So out of Iowa, the center, Tyler Linderbaum to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Dallas roster, if they can sure up that offensive line, I mean, they're they really don't have many holes as far as their starting twenty-two goes. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's a good pick right there. All right, Buffalo up at twenty-five, uh, a team that I I don't think really has a ton of like glaring needs, uh, but we are gonna fill one of their needs that they have failed to utilize throughout the entire Josh Allen. Uh, tenure in Buffalo and we're going to go Brees Hall running back out of Iowa State here at 25 I do have a little bit of concern uh, as just with the mileage that Brees Hall put on his body at Iowa State I mean starting he started all five years right or six like (laughs) with the COVID season like what did he play six years of football 
or I mean, it was five. I think he was at a three-year starter, but yeah. three-year. Okay, a lot, of, football a lot of miles. Though. Yeah, and you know, I like Kenneth Walker, who has much less mileage, but um, not as versatile. Not as versatile, and they're a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl right now. So, are they really concerned about how this guy's going to shape up three years from now? That's right. Probably not. They need him to come in and be a difference maker immediately, and Brees Hall's that guy. To me, that the the Bills are the only possibility of a running back going in the first round. I know Same. we thought a year ago that um, that was the case with Najee Harris, and then the Jaguars for some reason drafted Travis Etienne in the first round, which I think we were both stunned by. But I mean, I, I would be equally stunned if anybody but Buffalo went well, running back in the first round. So that's the only possible landing spot. In my I can uh, I can probably I can promise you that Sean McDermott. 30 minutes after the draft isn't going to say that Brees Hall was drafted as a third down back. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep uh, Devin Singletary as the feature back, and Brees Hall is going to get some third down opportunities. All right, the Tennessee Titans on the clock at 26. I think that uh, they were the number one seed in the AFC a year ago. And... I think there are a, a couple... I think they could go interior offensive line here. I think they could go... Uh, like Devin Lloyd is still uh, on the board. Um, I, I think that they could really benefit, though, from a, another pass catcher to help A.J. Brown to take some pressure off of Ryan Tannehill and also to take some pressure off of Derrick Henry, who, speaking of mileage, is getting up there in that regard as well. So let's give the Tennessee Titans Traylon Burks wide receiver Arkansas. Yeah, it, it, for a team that's picking 26 and was the number one seed in the AFC last year, like I look at their roster and I, I do not, I'm not, I don't love their roster. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. But it wouldn't shock me if they won eight games this year. This agreed. They, I mean, they've got to nail this Traylon Burks pick. They Julio Jones experiment was a huge fail last year. It was supposed to alleviate a lot of that pressure from uh, guys like AJ Brown and Derrick Henry on, and I know Derrick Henry got hurt, but. Yeah, I mean, if Traylon Burks hits, then that's great. It looks makes Ryan Tannehill's life easier. And it makes everything easier in Tennessee for uh, Mike Brabel. Uh, tennis, uh, 27, Tampa Bay's on the board. Uh, Tom Brady coming back completely changes their whole draft, obviously, uh, at 27 because that is prime quarterback picking at 27 in this draft uh, in most scenarios. But they don't have to worry about it now. What they need to do is need to worry about is protecting that 78 year old quarterback they have behind <laughs> center. Uh, the outside's good, like you know, Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen, and uh, I like Shaq Mason. They're great. They could use another guard. So I'm going to go Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, who's played on the left side and the right side of the interior offensive line, and they've got the weapons, but they have got to protect Tom Brady. It's the most important thing if you're in the front office is keeping that old man healthy. Kenyon Green. All right, the Green Bay Packers, who took Chris Olave with the number 22 pick. On the clock, again, a number of ways they could go here. And I'm going to give them... I was going to go Tyler Smith here because I think they, they could use some offensive line help. But... I also think that um, they're, this is kind of a luxury pick for them in a way. Devin Lloyd still being available is uh, such a home run pick for them at 28 that I think that would be too hard for them to pass up. So let's go Devin Lloyd to the Packers at 28. What a draft for Green Bay, by the way, if they were to land Chris Olave and Devin Lloyd. Yeah. I mean, great picks, but all of, uh, I mean, obviously kind of tough that you know you lose 
Devontae yeah, Adams. I think course. he'd probably take Devontae Adams over both those guys. Sure. But, uh, you, got, you know, you work with the cards you're dealt, right? Uh, Kansas City with back-to-back picks here at 29-30. I have the uh, honor of doing the first one. And I think that they need – like, I know they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, but, like, what? I mean, what is he going to offer them at this point? They brought in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but, again, what is he going to offer them at this point if – you know, I mean, you're playing in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Like, if it's not working there, then I d- don't expect much different uh, in Kansas City because they're pretty comparable. I mean, what's the difference really at the end of the day between those two offenses? So I think it's I think it's pretty important that they they take a receiver and one of these picks and try to replace that Tyreek Hill production. Whether it's just a committee thing to get that production back or not, but I just don't think they have the guy right now, and I think it. Back-to-back picks here. You have the luxury of taking a chance on a receiver. I'm going to go uh, Jahan Dotson still on the board, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, he is. I'm going to go Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Uh, a little small. He kind of fits in. Uh, he's pretty similar to a guy like Nicole Hardman. Not Maybe not as fast, but, I mean, they just – they got to find some production at that receiver yeah. spot with Tyreek Hill gone. Not quite as fast, but I think like he's as skilled as anybody in this draft. I, I think a lot of people view him as maybe the best hands guy in the draft. Like this guy would feast in either Green Bay or Kansas City with those two quarterbacks and just what they could take advantage of with uh, his overall ability. Uh, I think that's a great pick for them. Uh, like I saw, uh, I think it was uh, Daniel Jeremiah had Jahan Dotson going to the 24 to the Cowboys. And like I love that. Like if that were to be the pick, I'm I'm not complaining at all. Just because I yeah. think he is going to be incredible in the NFL and is being slept on in in uh, in terms of the receiver rankings. All right, at thirty, the second of Kansas City's two first round picks. Uh, I think they desperately need help in the secondary. Um, they desperately need a corner. Like who is their best corner? Um. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, Tyron Matthew's gone. And Tyron Matthew is gone. I, I think if Dax Hill is available here, like he's a, a lot like I mean, Tyron Matthew be. in the fact that he can play yeah. all over the secondary. That that would probably be the best replacement for Tyron Matthew. Uh, he is off the board. Uh, so Kyrie Elam, uh, long corner out of Florida, just seems like a, a no-brainer for them to help that secondary. Because you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC, you've got to have somebody covering back there to make their life a little bit more difficult. Absolutely. Uh, you kind of took my pick there. Uh, who I was going to go with at 31 for Cincinnati. Uh, obviously. Still Andrew Booth. Surprising uh, Super Bowl run. They do need cornerback help. Corner help. Yeah. Offensive the, the, line help. Yeah. Hmm. It's a tough pick. Uh, you know, we've got Andrew, like you said, Andrew Booth there. Zion Johnson out of Boston yeah. College is still on the board. I think at the end of the day, you've got Joe Burrow, who has been phenomenal through his first two seasons. Came back from a torn ACL, obviously got him to the Super Bowl. Protecting him has to be the main priority over, you know, shoring up your secondary. So let's go with uh, – Let's go Zion Johnson out of out of since uh, Boston College for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Uh, get Joe Burrow a little bit more offensive line help. They did sign Leo Collins, uh, Alex Kappa. They also signed out of Tampa Bay. Ted Karras. So obviously in free agency, they I've put a um, emphasis on the offensive line. But why not take a young guy here at thirty one? 
um, just to add a little bit more depth to that offensive line. Yeah. Well, and and some of those guys are band-aids, right? They're n- not For long-term sure. yeah. fixes, and Joe Burrow's going into his third season next year. So, yeah, it's great to have a veteran in there that can maybe give you a year or two, but you're, you're going to need some more long-term fixes and getting a guy like Zion Johnson or Tyler Smith or Kenyon Green or whoever might be available to them at that pick to me just seems like a no-brainer. All right, number 32, final pick of the first round, the Detroit Lions on the board again. Um, we've already had four quarterbacks go. I don't know that I, I'm in on Detroit going the route of quarterback. Or Sam Howell. Uh, no. for, I, I mean, I don't even, even if Ritter's available, I don't know that I, I see them going quarterback for sure. Um, with, I mean, they're, they're a team that also could use upgrades in almost every position group. Um, they could use receivers. They could use... Uh, interior offensive line help. They could use defensive linemen. They could use linebackers. They could use secondary help. So I think for them, it might be a situation where you just look across the board and and try and find the best available player. Um, I think a guy that makes a ton of sense for them, um, well, two guys actually, now that I'm looking at the board, that makes a ton of sense for them, Andrew Booth from Clemson and Lewis Seen from Georgia. Uh, let's give them... Let's give them Andrew Booth to close out the first round cornerback from Clemson. Just a little bit more of a premium position as opposed to safety. So there you go. Andrew Booth, final pick in this mock draft for the 2022 NFL draft that will take place. tonight. And, and Britt Vittables gets a guy off the board. Finally. I mean, it's about time yeah. that the dude does something, right? He's got two teams to work with. That's right. Took him still pick 32. That's right. All right, man, that was fun. I can't wait for tonight. This is going to be an incredible draft, and I, I, the drama, again, is going to be at an all-time high, so I'm I'm geeked. I will be impressed if we got two picks right in this first round. Me too. Me too. I I, I mean, it's, yeah, we're going we're gonna to throw a party if we got two, so that's how crazy this thing's going to be. All right, buddy. Um, yeah, right. I'm, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about after this thing is done. And, you know, again, I'm looking at the big board here with what we didn't even pick and what's still available. And the beginning of tomorrow night for the second round is going to be a ton of fun, too, because I think there are another 10 to 15 guys that I think have a possibility of being first round picks. Like I, I did a I wrote down the other day every guy that I thought had a chance to be selected. And my number was like 48 guys, Aaron. Like that, that again speaks to the depth, but also the lack of separation, right? From the elite players to maybe the next level. Like, yeah. I think there is a, a group of elite players, but that next group, I think, is incredibly deep. So, like, there are, yeah, I think there are like 48 players that I, you know, if you told me this, this name, like, yeah, wouldn't shock me if he goes in the first round. This name, yeah, wouldn't shock me if he goes in the first round. And that, that's, I think, the element of, unknown for the direction a lot of these teams may go but it also speaks to the depth and uh the lack of maybe separation from elite players to you know even the the second level of elite players but it's going to be a ton of fun Aaron uh, appreciate it man and um maybe we'll uh, have the opportunity to catch up again tomorrow okay yeah for sure uh I'm excited let's see how this uh this S show goes there we go shit show yeah just just make sure you boo Roger Goodell when he comes out and all will be right in the world that's the okay. that's the one guarantee for tonight I don't know who's going one I don't know who's going two but Roger Goodell will be booed the good lord willing there we go very nice
the podcast is over.